Take the guesswork out of your cannabis shopping with ECS DNA Kit by Endo Canna Health. I did this years ago and it continues to empower me to get nerdy with my cannabis choices, which you know I like. If you've watched our Cannabis Legalization News podcast, did you know that right now you can save 25% off your DNA test at endodna.com? That's E-N-D-O-D-N-A.com and use promo code POD25. That is P-O-D, the number two, the number five. Your purchase includes the EndoDNA Collection Kit. Endo Decoded Report, Personalized Cannabinoid and Terpene Suggestion, Endo Aligned Product Matching in Your State, Suggested Dosage Guidelines, and Optimum Methods of Administration. Once you know your personal ECS data, you can shop Endo supplements tailored specifically for you. And right now, Endo DNA is celebrating their new patent with a BOGO offer on their Afeca Soft Gels lineup. Since so many of you struggle with sleep, I want to highlight Afeca Unwind created to support healthy sleep cycles using a patented proprietary formula of hemp-derived CBD, terpenes, and essential oils. If sleep is eluding you, sweet dreams are made of this. So buy one, get one, my friend. You can shop online at endodna.com. And don't forget promo code POD25 at checkout to save 25% on your DNA test kit. One. Fuck it, we're live. Yeah, we're live. Wednesday, May 28th, 2019. This is the Canada's legalization news for the week. It was a huge week, uh, despite being closed on Monday. Did you hear anything over on your neck of the woods, Miggy? Uh, as far as the uh, hemp? Anything, man. Start with it. Well, we got uh, from the USDA. Right, right. That was the biggest, and that's something we'll talk about for a while. I have the, uh, the memo in front of me. Awesome. Hey, did you hear about your neck of the woods? Uh, I know that Illinois is still basically flooded, and that's really is pushing a lot of downward pressure as to not just uh, corn, but also hemp. So a lot of hemp hasn't been planted yet. But are you talking about adult use, man? Yeah, you got a hearing today. They do. They have a hearing at 5.30 p.m. And uh, one of the people that I've been trying to get on are some of the people from uh, Normal, Normal, Illinois, uh, Dan Lynn. I met him like 10 years ago when I was promoting that book and I haven't seen him since, but he's been uh, in charge of Normal, Illinois for a decade. And yeah, hearing today at 530. Uh, I'm not sure if Homegrow is going to make it through, though. Yeah. Well, what do you think about what, what, what's the deal behind that, man? Well, I don't know what the deal behind it is. Uh, there is a page that I can put into the, the the page that I'll create from this live feed. We'll have a link to the the page that you can go to from the state, which supposedly is supposed to be getting updated as it is changed. And currently right now, they still have the home grow in it. And not only do they have the home grow in it, uh, it is not limited to uh, medicinal patients. So it's home grow for all Illinois residents. Well, that's what legal issues should be. In theory. I mean, I've been watching a lot of Canna Cribs. Have you ever seen that show? No. Oh, man. And so, like, it's this great show on YouTube, of course. And uh, have you ever heard of, like, Bong Appetit, that show? Oh, yeah. All right. It's the same guys that do Bong Appetit. And they go to, like, all these amazing uh, cannabis <clears throat> farms. And so you get to see just how much science is in these cannabis farms and how Oh my gosh, how much engineering goes into growing very, very high quality cannabis. What you're going to be able to do in your, in your basement, in your grow room with five plants, not even close. Well, you know, the, 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 the what do you call it? The um, uh, big corporate uh, cannabis, you know, the, the, the thing that everybody fears, 
I mean, that's definitely a, a thing that the small grower has to fear because yeah. the large grower can buy, you know, huge amounts of soil at bulk prices for cheap, whereas the average guy is paying 20, 50 bucks, you know, whatever the cost is, it's way more than what a company would be paying. Oh, not only is it way more than a company would pay, but think about like how small you have to work with, with five plants. And like for me, if I was going to be able to start at first, I've never grown cannabis. Uh, so I'd probably start with like an auto flower uh, or something really, really easy, but it's just not even going to compete as to the level of quality that's there. But we're really excited about it. Now let's turn to the, the substance of the USDA memo. Did you uh, read any of the articles about the USDA memo? I did read the, uh, the marijuana moment one, plus the, the actual, the, the, the link that you sent me from the USDA, their opinion was amazing. Yeah. Go yeah. Ahead. Oh, go ahead. Uh, I was just uh, letting you fill some time. I'm having some technical difficulties with Facebook. Hey, if anybody out there in internet land wants to do this for me, great, because then I could uh, focus more on the, the actual content of it as opposed to try to run both of them out of my uh, my law office. But you need someone uh, Chicago-based, don't you? I, I already have. Well, I mean, I'm already in Chicago, but then the problem becomes if uh, I... I'm not in Chicago permanently. I'm in Peoria permanently. So if I have an employee in Chicago, how do I manage that person? Unless that, uh, you know, they're actually going to do the thing that I want them to do. But this is all germane to uh, management issues. That does happen to me. Uh, right now, we should probably get back to what was the, uh, the the quick on the USDA paper? Well, the USDA, their legal opinion pretty much states that uh, hemp and all of its components are legal. No longer on Schedule 1. Uh, no longer on the CSA. I mean, it's an amazing uh, 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 choice of words that they use. And to me, it's the gateway to legalization for marijuana. Yeah, I, I think that's absolutely right. I mean, it's and then they, the USDA says so like right there in it, in the actual because uh, it's not all that different because they have a legal opinion that goes into it. It's fairly long. It's like 16 pages. But then what happens is they have, of course, the executive summary which is not all that different. And we'll be talking later about this Arizona Supreme Court case that came out. Uh, and at the front of uh, legal opinion, whether it's this, which is a memorandum or that, which is actually from judges, they usually give a synopsis or a summary on this. And they have the key conclusions. That's conclusion one, as of the enactment of 2018 Farm Bill on December 20, 2018, hemp has been removed from Schedule One of the Controlled Substances Act and is no longer a controlled substance. You know what that means? It, it just means it's it's treated like everything else now. I mean, it's an amazing uh, uh, rule of thumb there. For we were talking we about it last night. How what percentage legal is cannabis? Well, you went with ninety nine point one ninety nine point one one. Just purely on cannabinoid count alone, cannabis is ninety nine point one one percent legal because there's one hundred and thirteen cannabinoids, and out of those one hundred and thirteen cannabinoids, one is illegal. You know, with that with that recent statement, I wonder about the cases involved. For one, the uh, the transporters that were going through Ohio because they were still being de detained. Last I uh, heard, and then oh, they and there's going to be a lot of confusion on the road this year if and when we get a hemp crop in there. I mean, if there's going to be thousands of acres coming online from Illinois to Virginia to Tennessee, there's going to that harvest is going to come up, and people are their demand for high quality. You know, hand-trimmed, smokable hemp flour is growing, and so you're going to have those things being shipped, and smells just like marijuana. 
Well, and let's not forget, as these studies come out, uh, I'm going to post one here. Uh, did you see that study where uh, CBD helps reduce heroin addiction? Yeah, we talked about that briefly last uh, week, and that was one of the questions that we asked Travis that was on our show last week from Vverks, and uh, it was whether he had seen any efficacy when it comes to CBD for treating addictive disorders, and I had mentioned that I had seen something about heroin or opioid and then also for alcohol, but I've since then seen studies as well for uh, nicotine, so it just may help uh, the addictive personality in general. However, yeah. you know, it's early. Well, you know... So check this out. I'm reading this book from uh, the 1970s. Uh, this thing is so old, it's making me sneeze as I read it because the pages are actual paper and it's falling apart. Wait, that's but, the, that, that, that cannabis book isn't printed on hemp paper? No, no, not hemp paper. But, uh, you know, because back in the day, um, magazines, you know, before the Internet, there was uh, head shops. And that's what oh, this man. Yeah. Before the Internet, there was a lot of crap that went on. I couldn't believe what, the shit you get away with before the Internet. Well, the Eric's cookbook was a thing. but. But, you know, my point being is in this book right here, they talk about all the uh, not new fucking uses. You know how we talked about yesterday about um, it, it bothers me how 80 years of American policy overrides thousands of years of ancient kind That's of. That's why they got the racism involved and then the yeah. fear and then the um, the prejudice. Because if you tap into that, that, that doesn't change. Hey, but we got a comment from one of our Facebook viewers. Uh, Nicole personally says CBD helped her quit smoking cigarettes. So, I mean, it gets back to does CBD and the CB2 receptor do something? Because when it, when it helps you with pain and anxiety, is that pathway of pain or anxiety, uh, is that related to addiction in some way? Who knows? Um, the, the endocannabinoid system is entwined with your nervous system. And you're not imagine all these things are just factors of it's not a cure, but it's something that helps you. Right. And then back to the, the USDA report that, I mean, this is great. And this comes so close to Friday. And uh, a, a good a good attorney out on the East Coast named Rod Kite, who's been on the show and helped me uh, you know, get into the, the CBD industry as Illinois was changing the laws. We spoke together about three, four months ago, has been asked to come to Capitol Hill and speak uh, regarding his position for his clients when it comes uh, to CBD hemp. And I think it's amazing that uh, two days before, two days before the FDA is supposed to have its public hearing on May 31st, uh, the USDA, a different, a different uh, department in the executive provides its executive summary of what the hemp is supposed to be. And then number three, we were just talking about the, the transportation. So I'm going to update my uh, letter to law enforcement officers, and I just updated it over the weekend because I wanted to reflect the false positive drug dogs will uh, alert hemp shipments too because of the terpenoid profiles that in it. But also now the USDA is providing um, point number three, states and Indian tribes also may not prohibit the interstate transportation or shipment of hemp lawfully produced under the 2014 Farm Bill. Well, you know, but eBay is not going to allow any CBD products being sold still. People still buy stuff on eBay? Yeah, apparently. Oh, cool. That was their big official statement because they said internationally it's still uh, frowned upon or whatever bullshit reason they want to come up with. Yep. Yep. And then it kind of goes further. You know, the enactment of the 2018 Farm Bill, hemp may only be grown on, and then it goes in ABC, uh, with a valid USDA-issued license. 
under the USDA-approved state or tribal plan, or three, under the 2014 Farm Bill Industrial Hemp Highlight Authority. And those authorities will expire one year after USDA establishes a plan for issuing licenses under the provisions of the 2018 Farm Bill. And that gets back to one of these legal punctilios. And punctilio is just a fancy word for the uh, the, the, the asterisk symbol. Oh, yeah. uh, and so um, what that means is the uh, there is a law that is law is the law of the land. And it is effective, uh, you know, because it was self-executing, so it's effective immediately. Here's the problem with that: we can't necessarily do anything with the enforcement body of it, with being the USDA or the FDA, because those are the regulatory authorities that need to write the rules. Doesn't matter; it's still legal. And then we have to make sure that this uh, this USDA report. What does it mean in context to states like Illinois? which says that Illinois is operating under its own state law. And then the farm bill kind of referenced these state laws, but it doesn't say under these one, two, three, and here that, uh, that states that pass their own uh, regulatory schemes for industrial hemp will be able to be compliant with what the USDA is saying now that uh, the 2018 farm bill has removed it. But it's, I, I still think they're all right. And I bet after I review all 16 pages of it, and I apologize, I already haven't. It's it's just been bananas busy in here, man. Well, couldn't you say per state, like they can create their own infrastructure, but it's the interstate travel, which this law really approves to as far as, um, uh, you know, what they should be looking at for policing and whatnot. Yeah, and the, the, the USDA does go on. It's a, it is important for the public to recognize that the 2018 Farm Bill preserves the authority of states and Indian tribes to enact and enforce laws regarding the production of hemp that are more stringent than federal law. So, I mean, it's that it's that uh, federalism thing. So you do have this, uh, the, the federal government, of course, federalism refers to the two layers of government, feds and the states. And then you have the states that are able to create their own uh, uh, laws as well. But with the amount of like hemp shipping that I'm seeing going on, uh, uh, how much the state law enforcement, because the feds aren't going to enforce shit. No. Yeah, it, it's, that's just not what happens. I mean, like the feds, the, the DEA can go and enforce marijuana that's being grown inappropriately. Did you hear about that huge bust in Denver? Oh, God, yeah. The 47 houses, I think. It's like 47 houses. The average house value was over $400,000. Those are the people that were taking home grow to a whole different level. but. Yeah, black market marijuana grows in Denver homes worth 400 large. But you see, that's because their market is not in Denver. Their market was in Alabama and Mississippi and wherever else people want to live in ignorant prohibition. Full straight up uh, interstate commerce with uh, an illicit substance, tax-free, by the way. Uh, And and, yeah, that's going to get you shut down. That is not uh, legal at all. No. Not legal. Um, But... you know, we put stop signs up. Most people stop at the stop sign. Some people are going to be scofflaws, and that's why you have these types of laws, so you can shut them down. But no longer will the DEA be wasting any time with uh, CBD hemp. What I'm more worried about isn't the DEA. So uh, we got a question from uh, Dennis Little. Dennis Spittle, my bad. Uh, it's actually a pretty good question. It says, is it legal to grow hemp at home for our own medicine in North Carolina? Uh, North Carolina, that would be a Rod Kite. Uh, yeah, I think that's how I pronounce it, Kite State. And he would tell you that the, the North Carolina is the 2014 Farm Bill uh, pilot programs. 
Okay. So those are still restricted and they're open to the sense that people can get those licenses. How open those licenses are, I don't know. I haven't looked at specifically with North Carolina. I know that it is a 2014 Farm Bill state. With Illinois, you still need to get your license. And so like, I can't, unless I had a relationship, I could form an LLC and get my hemp cultivation license. And then I would still need, and this is the, the rub sometimes, is you need a farm. And the farm is defined a particular way. So if this guy's trying to grow hemp on his own house, like in his garden, that may not work. But if he could, with the state of Illinois law, and the state of Illinois law isn't all that different because the states parrot a lot of the same language that you'll find in the federal law. Uh, it just does. And so that, that kind of helps make it somewhat uniform. It's still not uniform. Everybody does it their own way, but somewhat, you know, it, it, there's things don't repeat, but things rhyme. And uh, you you need to have a farm as defined under a particular tax provision in Illinois to be able to qualify. But if you are just a, a person that has that, you can go ahead and, and well, of course, provided that, as it said in here again, you need to have a 10 year look back period to determine whether you have a felony. But if you have a clean background for 10 years, then you can get your license to cultivate hemp uh, and the regulations are kind of easy to that thing provided that you qualify you can get it and then you have to make sure and this will probably be where the rub comes in that uh the illicit sales aren't happening there's no leakage of the hemp into people that aren't licensed to cultivate or process it now but with the federal uh now say with the usda's uh legal opinion as far as uh no longer being schedule one no longer be csa i mean now there'd be a market for seeds. Couldn't say somebody in North Carolina order some seeds from uh, wherever, you know, have a personal garden. Now, as long as, like you said, there's no uh, diversion, you know, but it's their personal, they, they, they're probably yeah. issues. Uh, no, no, you, you'd be violating, you'd be violating Illinois law if you did that. Uh, that's so the thing. Law. You need to have, like, if, if you could qualify your garden as a farm uh, and then, you would have to still get the license and like draw where you're going to be uh, on the on the geo map that they have for the state where you're going to be planting that hemp. So you can't. I mean, just because it's legal doesn't mean you can have it, right? Alcohol is legal, but if you're less than 21, you can't have it. And so just because uh, industrial hemp is now legal, you still have to comply with the state law. Uh, and then that state law says that if you want to grow industrial hemp, you have to have a license to do it. And you can't possess industrial hemp unless you have a license to cultivate it or to process it. But then after it's been processed into its retail um, end product, then you're allowed to sell that retail end product to uh, a member of the public at, at a retail transaction. But, you know, the retail transaction is the last step of the uh, manufacturing process. First step would be getting those seeds. So it would surprise me greatly if like, if, you, if I tried to buy um, and I'd have to look at the regs on all these to see if there are restrictions on seeds. Seeds were expensive, a couple of bucks. If I tried to buy $2,000 worth of seeds, is that seed seller just going to be like, here you go? Or is that seed seller going to be like, I need to see your license for cultivation? Uh, that is something that there are, there are shippers out there that you can buy uh, cultivars and you can buy clones and you can buy seedlings. 
but you do have to have your your state license to be able to get them to ship to you. Do you think maybe the next route of say backdoor legalization? I mean, we all have our different ways. Jury nullification, uh, actual like um, being implementing policy. Let's say home grow for hemp. You know, if that was all applied, do you think state by state that'd be another way for us to, you know, overgrow the world? Well, I mean, perhaps. I think the uh, I think when it comes to the jury nullification, that's interesting and that can be effective, but you really don't want that to be your failsafe. I mean, you prefer to have uh, yeah. a normal regulation. You prefer to have. Uh, the remaining like less than 1% of cannabis be legalized so that marijuana is no longer a controlled substance and it's regulated by the states. But I just think that we're going to, we're still years away from having the, the, the states on board to where they will be comfortable legalizing it. I just can't believe like, you know, somebody was telling me that uh, if you want to drive the medical marijuana shipments, you need to have like a background in the military. And sometimes there's, there's, um, uh, for the shipments of marijuana, you know, you'll have like armed guards that are going with it just in case nobody tries to jack it. You know, meanwhile, it, when you're going to be delivering uh, enough opioids to kill a horse, you know, how, I've never seen any armed guards at like a Walgreens. Uh, does, does like pharmaceutical drugs, do, do they just deliver those like in a truck or what? Well, actually they do because I did do a, because uh, I work as a technician, mm -hmm. uh, one of the places I've serviced was a place that makes liquid cocaine. And well, uh, liquid cocaine is that that sounds like it's a schedule two substance. But even then, OK, so they make the liquid cocaine. What's the security regs on that? And then what's the security regs in the transportation of that liquid cocaine? Well, that's where the sort of the facility itself is locked down. I mean, everybody suits every checkpoint. You know, no one walks out with a pocket full of liquid cocaine. And then. Um, so the facility itself, there's all kinds of ways uh, you can't get in or out. So many security locks. But then the transportation is obviously a well-coordinated, like, uh, uh, police effort where, uh, uh, you know, you will have uh, local uh, uh, law enforcement show up along with their own staff who are allowed to shoot, you know. Mm -hmm. so that, that's the transaction there. Now, when that truck driver leaves the facility, he's on his own, which is another kind of ironic, probably, you know. Right. Well, the, the delivery just didn't get there. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, imagine the GPS in the trucks or something. But yeah. as far as like, because it's a known area. And, and matter of fact, it's in the middle of Wyoming. So the only people that are going to fucking come out, they're not tweakers, but it going to be like some sort of like SEAL Team 6 of fucking like drugs. Yeah. You know? Or they're going to be extra, those those people that go out to Wyoming, they're, they're interesting. I mean, I was just watching a movie about somebody from Wyoming called Vice. Have you ever seen that movie, Vice, about Dick Cheney? No. It's pretty good. It was done by the guy who did Anchorman, which is hilarious. That he anchor, The director of Anchorman became the guy who did The Big Short, and then he just did Vice. Uh, okay. Story about a guy from Wyoming. Yeah. No, it's an interesting uh, area out there, but yeah, I mean, as far as securities go, now see, here's here's my thing about with the uh, the hemp home grow, because tobacco, I can grow tobacco at home. I can get tobacco seeds on Amazon, right? But I can't get hemp seeds. Well, I got the answer for you right here. I was just reviewing more of the uh, USDA's memo, and I figured the USDA would also have the uh, definition of industrial hemp, and of course it does. And so that industrial hemp definition is uh, 
as, as the plant cannabis sativa L and any part of such plant, whether growing or not, with a delta nine tetrahydrocannabidiol, no, cannabinol, cannabidiol is CBD, tetrahydrocannabinol concentration of not more than 0.3% on a dry weight basis. And then the 2018 Farm Bill made it slightly different and defined it as cannabis plant sativa L and any part of that plant, including the seeds and uh, uh, thereof and all derivative extracts, cannabinoids, isomers, acids, salts, salts of isomers, whether growing or not, with a delta-9 tetrahydrocannabinol concentration of not more than 0.3% on a dry weight basis. So, and then that is uh, 7 USC section 1639. And so that means that to answer your question as to seeds, no, you can't. Uh, <clears throat> um, yeah, that's sad, dude. You know, reading well, this. I mean, it, 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 okay, well, it means that hemp seeds are not in the Controlled Substances Act. So, depending on what your state law says about that, great. But you have to look at your state law to see whether or not the seeds from hemp uh, qualify as industrial hemp. They may. And then, if those seeds qualify as industrial hemp and you're not allowed to possess or cultivate industrial hemp uh, without first having that that license then you know you're kind of screwed is, is either are, are the seeds in the csa or the or, or the because i you can order seeds online that's that's my question yeah you can you can also order uh you can also order cbd isolate online at about six thousand sixty five hundred to seven thousand a kilo uh however um you know uh, i don't know if the if the public is allowed to to buy that depending on what state you're in like it'd be one thing if you're ordering a kilo of isolate and you have a registration in the state of Illinois to process industrial hemp into like, you know, a tincture or something or a, a vape pen. But it's another thing that if you're going to buy a kilo of isolate and you're just a guy. Yeah. You know, that's this, this, uh, the hemp legalization bill, the farm act, it's all kind of misnomers too. If you think about it, cause as I'm reading this book, you can manipulate the sex of your seeds. You know, as they grow, you can try and, uh, you know, force those boy seeds, the, the hemp seeds, to have a little more potency. I mean, they're all the hemp is marijuana. It just it's, seems well, like it's not marijuana because marijuana is a term of art. It's just, again, a law isn't a thing. Okay. Uh, so the Fifth Amendment isn't a thing. It's literally a sentence or two that we tacked on to the end of the Constitution and it gives us due process and it has a very useful. Uh, thing that it does to our lives, but it's not real. Same thing with marijuana. It's a, it's, it's a legal term of art, but it's not real. And simply as it is defined under the law, marijuana is just cannabis that has more than 0.3% Delta 9 THC, which basically means that uh, all well-grown cannabis is not marijuana because no well-grown cannabis will have any Delta 9 THC. So it's kind of like being the president, but you can't violate any rules because there's no amendment for you. No constitution. I don't know, man. I think what it is more like it's uh, it's a new law. It's not settled, and that's why it's a to use the business Yiddish. It's Mashuga. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. Yeah. Well, dude. I mean, like, okay. So you've said that this plant is totally fine unless that plant has more than 0.3% Delta-9 THC per dry weight. However, that just reflects that the people that are regulating it have no understanding of how cannabis works 
because if it's grown, it's not going to have a delta nine THC. It's going to have uh, THCA, you know, uh, uh, an acid form of THC upon its, you know, carbox decarboxylation, it loses that acid and it becomes delta, delta nine THC, which may be the um, uh, the law. The farm bill is trying to address when it talks about testing, and then testing needs to be done. What they say post decarboxylation or by other similarly reliable methods. And that's why they're using the uh, the high pressure liquid chromatography to do most of the uh, the labs and the certificates of analysis that you'll see, because then it'll break down the uh, the total cannabinoid profile beyond just the uh, delta nine THC, but like all the all the hemp is coming in at almost like zero percent delta nine THC, because if you grow the cannabis plant correctly. Uh, your cannabinoids are going to be in the acid form, not in the uh, decarboxylated form. Oh, gotcha. Wow. Yeah. I mean, there's so many nuances to the plan itself. You know, uh, did you see uh, Arizona? They just approved the Supreme Court said, yes, the patients can have concentrates. They did. That was that was sent around by uh, Keith Strop on the normal uh, legal conference uh, emailer today. And I just want to give big shouts out to uh, Shara. May, um, yeah, Sarah Mayhew, Tucson. She is on the. Uh, she wrote a, an amicus brief, which basically means a brief in support. She's from Normal. That was really sweet of her to do. And uh, let's see, Thomas Dean as well. I've heard of Thomas Dean because I, I googled a cannabis lawyer's name Tom, and I wasn't the only one. But uh, this it's called State v. Jones, and State v. Jones again. It has its little synopsis right here, and then that synopsis says. Uh, Consistent with this language, we hold, and then they, they abbreviate the Arizona Medical Marijuana Act as AMMA, A-M-M-A. We hold the, that AMMA's definition of marijuana includes both its dried leaf slash flower form and extracted resin, including hashish. So there. The state of Arizona then, because uh, Arizona's medical marijuana program is fairly large, and so that it was only flour. And so now they're able to open it up, but uh, I haven't read it. And the, the, the trick about law is that it means what it says. And then people just don't ever agree what that, that thing says that it means. But um, it would be interesting to see if this case will have applications in other states that try to do what Arizona did in the sense that they limited the options for the medical marijuana patients uh, in some way, shape, or form. How they're trying to do it, like in Florida, they're trying to limit uh, the amount of total THC to be less than 10%, which just leads me to go, why? Yeah, as somebody who used to live in Arizona, it, it's its own special shit show. Um, I don't know if you, uh, there's an article here that um, in the same county, so there's a big uh, prohibition lady there. Her name is... Uh, nah, it's in this article. Anyways, mm-hmm. I'm going to post this article. So Joe Biden's son got busted in this county for cocaine and did not go to jail. In this same county, they're fucking arresting medical marijuana patients. Cool. Yeah, I just, it's his own little shit show of like this conservative Republican Party or people with money get away with shit. People with money don't give a shit. That is is a a, a rejoinder that you hear fairly often. I'm sorry, I would care, but money. Well, along with that, in Kentucky, the goddamn... uh, uh, governor says, 
They'll never legalize marijuana because of overdoses. That's just retard. Oh, can't use that word. That is just uh, not functional. It's <laughs> stupid. That's just stupid. That's what that is. I mean, this is coming from Kentucky, which one of their chief exports besides industrial hemp uh, is uh, opioid addiction. Well, and in West West Virginia, yeah, that one that's kind of situated up and over there. What I what I kind of like relegate to and call tobacco country, and that's not fair. Appalachia is a pretty Appalachia, cool. Appalachia, yeah. But uh, they have been they have been damaged by a lot of overdoses when it comes to opium, but they have not been damaged whatsoever when it comes to the cannabis plant. And if anything, the tobacco farmers that are there may eventually shift. You know, now that we're going to have a lot more industrial hemp. And we have for the past few years in Kentucky. It'll be interesting to see if that state warms up to marijuana in a few more years. Well, you know, the problem those places too, those same kind of uh, places where the legislator will say, well, if they have cancer, they can get off the streets. I mean, they still don't understand that this plant is an actual medicine that actually the THC does eat away at some cancers. You know, not every cancer. It doesn't cure everything, but it helps a lot of fucking other shit. Yeah, it's it's not like it was represented at all. I mean, Jesus, heroin's been more le- and heroin's derivatives of opioids for the painkillers have been more legal than um, marijuana has been for the past 80 years. And how many people have died as a result of it? And how many people have been arrested? And why is it still the law? Oh, right. I forgot. We're racist. Yeah. I mean, let's look at Canada, for example. They just got a deal with Harvard to, to, to send Harvard. Uh, uh, plants to be tested. I mean, why can't we be doing this in the United States? I mean, it's a big export or a big import. It's huge. And that's the other thing when it comes to the, the plant itself is diverse. And so Illinois is very, very big as an agricultural area. And there's been a lot of downward pressure in the past decade in the ag space, a lot of consolidation, but then the, the price of soy has just not been that high. And the price of corn has been okay, but that, you know, if your chief cash crop is corn and the margins are really, really thin, having hemp could really push up the price because it's going to take down the um, uh, the volume of corn and also uh, of soy. But then it's just as, the, it's just as a, a much of a miracle crop, if not more than those, because there's so many things that corn can turn into and there's so many things that hemp can turn into. So the genetics, that was one of the cool things on can of cribs. Do you know how long genetics take on like uh, when you're trying to develop your own strain? No. You want to you venture a guess in years, anybody who's watching? I think, I mean, I know it's like a couple generations. The first generation is never going to be the same as the first one. Or the right. modern one. Okay. You're right. <clears throat> okay. No, no, no. You're right about that. And then they like, uh, that's where my understanding of the genetic crossing and whatnot gets worse because I've never grown anything like that. Yeah, so I'm really right. looking forward to home grow. I'm that's not going to make my own dang seeds, but that'd be interesting. And uh, it has to do with uh, about eight years with all the Fs. So you go from like an F1 all the way up to like an F6. And I think the F6 is when you have real stable genetics. And anybody who's watching that understands genetics, please correct me if I'm wrong. But uh, then you'll have a, you know, a different type of cannabis seed. So the, this is the first year for hemp in Illinois, second year for hemp in Wisconsin, which is a similar climate. I don't know. The hemp that's been growing around the United States 
that's only been like four or five years. So we still really don't have uh, the genetics that we'll have in the hemp seeds that we'll have in, in 10 years, where we might have all sorts of different seeds, just like they have all sorts of different corn seeds. And we're all like, oh, that's corn. Well, it's kind of the importance of home grow. But um, one of my friend's biggest point in Washington State, because Washington State, the 502 market limited the genetics. They had an open window. They said, okay, everybody magically finds all their seeds at one time. Now we're closed. <laughs> but if you keep yeah. using the same seeds and the same, your, your product's going to degrade, the THC quality, all the stuff that you're looking for is not going to be as it was. And mm -hmm. uh, if you can't have other people home growing, experimenting and mixing, yeah, that's part of the issue. You'll become like a, like a potato famine. I forget what yeah. it's called, but that's what happened. Hmm. Yeah, I got a, uh, one of the watchers on Facebook is saying that uh, it only takes three cycles in his genetics from what he understands, that he doesn't think it's eight years. He's got more uh, he's got more experience than I do on it, and 210 days for stability. It's a little too much inside baseball. Maybe I'll have him on and educate me as to how you go ahead and cross back your, your seeds so that you can get stable genetics. But that is really what's big in the industry. And, you know, you look back over the course of the past 20 years, the, the names of the cannabis didn't really start changing well, that fast from where I'm from until, you know, it, it became fully legal. But now like ChemDog and and then there was this one. What the heck was the like, something dankness out of Colorado? What the heck? Fresh dankness out of Colorado. They, they, they grow their, all their own genetics. And so as you have these because there's a lot of uh, craft cultivations that could come online if Illinois gets its head out of its duff and actually passes adult use. So all these craft grows could have their own genetics that are unique to them. And with the understanding of being able to study the plant now and have it be actually legal and having a greater understanding of the terpenoid profiles, I have absolutely no idea what's going to be hot in cannabis in 10 years, what flavors, what, what seed qualities, if we're going to, because now, like I said, 99.1% of the cannabis plant has been legalized. What other cannabinoids are we going to get into and start um, exploiting? Sure. Well, you know, um, just like the Phylos project. Have you looked at that website for the Galaxy, their project? Uh, where they're just signing up. All, they're, I thought they were more harvesting the genetics to, like, try to patent them. So what they would if, – if you go to the website for Phylos, I can see if I can find it. But it's an amazing – so they're kind of a good and bad, right, as far as um, – their goal, their purpose, is, it has this beautiful, like, uh, we're going to map all the genetics for every plant out there. Uh, and then that way, if I have genetics from, say, 10 years ago, because I used to grow or whatever, and I meet yeah. somebody from across a, the, on the East Coast, and they say, I have the same version of, we'll say, Blue Dream. And then sure. we take it to the phylos, where they'll check the DNA, pretty much the DNA of the plants. And if they match, you know, phenotypes and whatnot, then you can say, oh, yeah, they're from the same uh, plant, from the same origins. Or if they're two different plants, you can just say, no, nope, yours more resembles the ones from Afghan from 10 years ago. Because, again, we don't know all the history. We know this plant started in Asia, in China, you know, thousands of years ago, slowly worked its way out here, uh, evolved in different uh, phenotypes and genetics. And, and, and now here we are trying to scramble and figure out all the shit that people smuggled up their butt, where it came from. Yeah, yeah, the, the whole smuggling up your butt thing, that really does stink. But 
that's 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 more of a European problem that gets their hash from Morocco. Uh, here, we don't have to put up with that so much. But I thought they were using Phylos not necessarily as a 23andMe of the cannabis DNA, but more along the lines to like mine it for what they could then patent and say, hey, you're infringing. These seeds are infringing on our uh, client's patent and stop using those seeds, destroy all those plants. That's more what I was thinking it was. Maybe I was misled. Well, it kind of is still. Uh, I mean, they're, again, they're selling packages. They're creating their own genetics that they're saying. And, and that's why everybody's kind of a little, little mad at them right now because you still question anybody that's producing anything from all this knowledge that they got. Because the ideal is once we get all this genetics, once the, uh, the the science is there, so we can three D print seeds, essentially. That way, you can three D print whatever you want. You know, uh, as I, I I find that mildly amusing, but I think that the three D printed seeds is going to be. I think I'll be dead before I see three D printed seeds. I could you be know, wrong. I just I think thought, I will. Be. I thought I'd be dead with fake meat, but here I am. I'm, they're selling it down my my street. I, I had a Beyond Brat last night for dinner. It was great. <laughs> yeah, I love my, I love anything that used to move, but but you know that I mean, we're getting there. We're almost there because it's all about proteins and different ways of twisting the the genetics that we I, I don't know how to do, but you know we trust like our cell phone. You pick up the cell phone, and you trust that it's going to fucking work. I don't know. We can explain certain ways it works, but we just can't explain everything. I cannot tell you how upset I get when uh, I pick up a cell phone and it says three G. Uh, like, I want to throw it down in disgust and go, what is it, 1987? Knowing <laughs> full well that 1987 3G would have blown the minds out of anybody who was there. But still. I mean, you got first world issues. But so back to the phylos, though, because I have a friend who has about 30 years worth of genetics. And, and phylos was bugging him for it. Uh, and the thing is, it comes from the years of smuggling. He's been to Morocco. He's done all this shit. He's an older dude. And he's like, look, I will give you my genetics, but I want to sign an NDA. And I want to make sure that any profit you make, you know, and he wanted a little bit of uh, effort from his uh, years of, he's got all these just genetics, not just the seeds, but like packages that the, the seeds were carried in, the actual flower. You know, he's got a catalog of, of, of 30 years of smuggling. And Phylos was asking him for it. And he's like, I'm not going to just give it away. Well, Phylos is just not happy about people not joining their freaking party without you know, some people are all aboard this genetic uh, for better of, of everybody, but other people, you know, risked their life, and, you know, did time in jail for this stuff. And, yeah, I mean, like, you shouldn't force somebody to take a DNA test. And like, yeah. I mean, I understand why they would want that, but I still like, you know, because when I grew up in the mid 90s and then uh, went to college in the 2000s and law school and all that, and then um, Blue Dream. I don't remember Blue Dream until I was practicing law. Like uh, Chem Dog, that wasn't Girl Scout cookies. None of these things were a thing. Strawberry Cough, no. Uh, uh, and so, like this, like I remember, like maybe like a Lemon Silver Haze, you know, stuff like that. So the names of the strains and what those genetics were 20 years ago are different now. And the, I think they're more a little bit more fruitier flavored. And so as the science is understanding and the ability to do it, because like you aren't doing it. Uh, in on the down low as much anymore. A lot of these grow houses that are commercial that are out there, you know, it's taken the flower to a next level because you're able to actually get into the plant. And then our our science is just way better now than it was 30 years ago. And then you're actually able to get at the plant and and, and play with it as opposed to trying to grow it in a way to avoid detection. You know, because now you can grow it and it's lawful. 
And yeah. so the the terpenoid profile of uh, the flower that's going to be harvested in 10 years, I have no idea what that is. Well, you know, the other problem, too, when, when we were buying weed back then when we were younger and less gray was like, you know, it was either Mexican brickweed, which was always just Jeez. one. Just one big, I mean, and I bet you there were all different strains, but it was all Mexican brickweed. There was no name. Yeah, and like the only stuff Mexican brickweed would get you to do, you'd be high for maybe like 10 minutes, and then you'd be like, I don't want to smoke this anymore. My throat hurts. Yeah, yeah. So you got that, and then like whenever you had really good weed, it was probably, you called it like regional. Like, oh, that's some humble. Or, we call it dank, but yeah. like, no, I'm in the middle of Illinois, so, you know, it was dank, yeah. Or, or when I used to live in Jersey, I remember being 18, and everything it had a uh, little red hairs in it. Everything was red hair. Yeah. Like, I don't know what the fuck called, but it's fucking red hair. Well, you know, it kind of goes back to like Cheech and Chong days. They were like, oh, you know, that's uh, that's Acapulco Gold. That's Maui Wowie. You know, I mean, like strain names have been around for a while, and those genetics are probably long. Well, they're 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 still out there. I just don't think they're in favor anymore. And so I don't know what the uh, what the future holds for the plant, but it's really, really exciting, especially for the 99 point whatever percent of it that's now lawful. And oh, there's yeah. going to be such differentiation in industrial hemp in 10 years. I mean, if I was Patagonia, I would be uh, hiring a, uh, a botanist uh, to help me isolate my strain so that I could grow my patio- Patagonia hemp uh, clothing in the United States with the best genetics and, and I have my own my own genetics for my my clothing company when it comes to that particular type of hemp or if i'm growing it for cellulose because i want to replace all the plastic with hemp plastic you know there's going to be tinkering with those types of genetics to make the particular uh goal that you are you you have with the with the plant uh, to be achieved i mean so i don't i don't know what even the the cannabinoid levels will be in a few years i mean 37 percent on brownie scout over in uh, rockford illinois from green thumb industries that's crazy well like we were talking last week with veedworks which i didn't know when you set out to have a hemp farm you're going to set out to either be textile or uh be a you know cbd product you know Mm -hmm. i I thought it was all one plant 100 percent useful you know and i imagine there is other uses of that stock or whatever but at this point, everybody wants that CBD gold. No one cares about the other half of it. So, if, again, if Patagonia was smart, instead of having their little tour of like, hey, we're doing hemp now, go out and buy some goddamn farms. Yeah. I mean, get a – I just got an email from these great people. Uh, let's see here. From Full Bloom Life Department. Yeah, so I can go buy myself a greenhouse, and I can go buy myself some acres. You know, and get take a little uh, take a little debt on, and then uh, have my own greenhouse there. There's – Patagonia put that that commercial together. They could easily uh, start making their own seeds and their own strain for growing uh, their particular type of hemp that they want to make their clothing out of. But then everybody can start. Well, everybody, all the companies can now start creating their own particular types of strains for whatever they're trying to achieve. Strains for paper, strains for industrial materials, strains for uh, like uh, that actually ha- harvest the oil itself for maybe fuel. Or strains for uh, fiber, and then, and of course, the CBD hemp. But what are the other cannabinoids that they? Because they took CBD, which was like a zero, and they put it up to twenty percent in in ten years. Yeah. What can they do with these other cannabinoids we've never heard of? Well, is it like CBG. I mean, I know that's another beneficial one. Uh, yeah, yeah. Travis mentioned that for uh, sleep last week. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, yeah. There's lots of components. Uh, 
Big Patman says, I'm glad in my lifetime I can drive down to the dispensary and pick up my medicine. It's a shame that senior citizens are waiting for the liquor store to open up. Oh, man, that's so crazy. Yeah, I mean, it sucks. But, uh, hey, one of the cool things on the uh, the USDA thing that came up again, and then I, I mentioned this before, but I just wanted to go over it because it's, like, specifically in there just in case, because uh, this has been one of the pieces of the law that they tried to raise out in that uh, Big Sky uh, case, or I think it was Big Sky or Blue Sky oh, technology yeah. case over in, um, yeah, yeah, over in uh, the uh, Idaho where it was taken away because some of the people were saying like, hey, well, sure, you have a law, but is this law effective, you know, because there's no uh, federal rules yet and there's no procedures for it. And that was one of the arguments that um, uh, that Idaho was advancing. But this one really goes on. And I mean, it, uh, whenever uh, a legal writing starts with the word it is, it usually means that an axiom is coming. Uh, so it is important to note that, the, the, that this decontrolling of hemp per and, and THC and hemp is self-executing, period. So although the CSA implementing regulations must be reflected, must be updated to reflect the 2018 Farm Bill amendments to the Controlled Substances Act, neither the publication of those updated regulations nor any other action is necessary to execute this removal. So it's, and then they, the USDA goes on to say, not only is uh, despite the regulations not being there, the law, the law of the land and in effect, but also you are not allowed to interfere and interrupt interstate transportation in hemp. So what's gonna happen this fall, this harvest, if we do get a crop, we'll get a crop. It just won't be near as big as the crop next year. Uh, that uh, you now have you know, demand in Illinois or demand uh, in some other state, and the supplies coming from tobacco country in Illinois and going to like Pennsylvania or these other states where you're shipping smokable flour or, or raw industrial hemp, and you're shipping it as if it's like corn or something. You know, you just have it in your your truck that you're hauling it in. Any drug dog's going to lurk on that. I mean, it yeah. would, it's going to create confusion. Yeah, you know that there, there's going to have to be a re-education, and you know that's part of the problem. Maybe we're slowly working to that justice, judicial policing uh, re-education, where you know the cops just need to be like, you know, smell is not a criminal indicator. You yeah, know, one of the biggest yeah. uh, racial and uh, ways of empowerment to the police authorities has been. Uh, Oh, you got a broken headlight, but yeah, I smell something. So now, uh, now I got to go through your car. Right, and those that smell is is just terpenoids. It's and then it was like two terpenes that I, I wrote on in this uh, new piece of content that I did over the weekend. And the terpenes that the drug dogs are smelling for are pinene, and I can't pronounce the other one. I think it's carifying or something like that. And it, uh, those ones are the ones that make uh, marijuana kind of smell piney or or peppery. You know, they're present in most every strain of marijuana. So that's probably one of the reasons why they train the drug dogs to attack on that. But the USDA's paper goes on uh, toward the end of it under its recent development section to specifically call out the Big Sky Scientific. So it was Big Sky, not Blue Sky Scientific versus Idaho State Police. And so, you know, uh, uh, yeah, uh, so the magistrate judge in that found that the Oregon bound hemp, uh, no, yeah, the Oregon hemp bound for Colorado and stopped in Idaho uh, should not 
have been stopped because of the, uh, the Farm Bill's express provision in Subtitle G that says that they are not allowed to interfere with interstate transportation. So it's, it's, it's interesting that, um, you know, it's therefore because those regulations do not yet exist, the interdiction, I mean stopping, hemp is subject to Idaho's laws prohibiting its transportation. So one of the problems that it looks like it is, is that, uh, oh, I see, therefore because the regulations don't exist. And then the, the USDA is not a party in this case, and this office does not confer uh, concur with the reasoning of the magistrate judge in the shipment of hemp lawfully produced in the 2014 Farm Bill. Okay, so what that means is that in this Big Sky case, uh, the magistrate judge from Idaho said, because those regulations don't exist, it being the Farm Bill hasn't, it's, it's out of the Controlled Substances Act, but there's not a fabric of those regulations. The interdicted, just stopped, hemp is subject to Idaho law prohibiting its transportation because Idaho doesn't respect any differentiation to it, all cannabis equals marijuana. Yeah. And because of that, then they said, okay, well, the Idaho uh, state police is fine in impounding this uh, uh, hemp shipment because there are no federal, federal regulations. And then the USDA says, no, 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 no. But the USDA is, clearly says that it's not a party in the case. It's just that it does not agree with what the Idaho state police I'm sorry. The yeah, it was the Idaho State Police were putting forward that this Idaho state uh, no, this magistrate judge in Idaho, and then it's uh, with its case number, it looks like it may actually be a federal action. But then you would have a magistrate judge from the state, and then they're trying to apply that state's law, and that's that's what they were saying was it's going to justify uh, the Idaho State Police impounding that shipment of hemp to Colorado. But from my reading of this from the USDA, the guidance on that is, no, you're wrong. So you know, go ahead and continue to appeal. And hopefully that, well, I guess then what you would need to do is they've, they've sued. Maybe they've countersued the police if they can for the, uh, in replevins you sue to get the stuff back. And then if they keep your stuff and the stuff's not found, then you can get a judgment for the value of the uh, stuff not returned. And in this case, the stuff is industrial hemp. So what is the value of that industrial hemp when it was impounded? You know, 6,700 pounds, that's a lot of poundage. And, and then how much it was a pound, who knows? But that's that's got to be millions of dollars worth of hemp that was shipped that Idaho just said, well, now. Yeah, I imagine it would be a bill of sale that they would reference for that. As far they as should have a bill of sale. It depends on how they were doing the shipping. They might also have yeah. a bill of lading. Uh, for the particular shipper, and then uh, you know, as I've been helping some of these people in the in the in the hemp shipping uh, situations, you have to like talk to them, and be like, well, how are you planning on moving this, the stuff? Because in Illinois, and it reflects the Farm Bill, uh, your your license to have and to process this stuff extends to your agents. So when I'm going over those contracts, I always like to make sure that like, okay. Are we expressly saying that this this uh, if you're using UPS, you know, for example, UPS is your agent for the transportation of this uh, hemp product from buyer, uh, or from sorry, from seller who has the license to grow it to the buyer who has the registration or the license to process it, and then after that, I don't. Then the, the next question to be was okay. So now you've processed it into you know oils and soaps and tinctures. And, and capsules and, uh, you know, knee balm and all that stuff. Okay, now that shipment, when it's in wholesale to the wholesale distributor, where does, in the, in the line of uh, the supply chain, 
does the necessity to have your registration or your some type of license to hold that industrial hemp drop off. And in the state of Illinois, under their regulations, they say it's on the first retail sale to the public. Well, what does that mean? And that's one of the problems with laws. You know, it's always, well, what does that mean? Well, that's kind of like with, uh, uh, like in Texas several times where they've busted kids for making brownies and they weigh all the brownies for, for the, the whatever amount. Yeah, that's just gaming the system. It's good. Oh, because like there's, there's a slight piece of marijuana in this brownie. Therefore, it's the whole pan. You know, yeah. Don't take them out of the pan. Weigh the pan as well, you know? Well, my question, too, is, like, with that case, um, how well did they store this industrial hemp? Because at a certain point, if they didn't store it properly, you know, you have a consumable product that's going to get moldy and, 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 you know, just not be good for consumption. Uh, we got a couple. Uh, uh, Sean Becker says, I take two dropper full of CBD for pain and sleep, CBG for energy, and THC for appetite. And then we got another one. Uh, Wobble says, anyone find it odd that SB0007 is now HB1438, the Illinois Cannabis Bill? No, that's not That's not odd because uh, it was introduced into both houses, one by um, Senator Steens, that's SB007. I'm looking at it now. And then it was also introduced as House Bill, what he just said by Representative Cassidy in the House. And so you introduce the same bill under the hopes that it doesn't – there might be some reconciliation that goes on as the amendment process happens. And here we are at about three o'clock in the afternoon in Wednesday. And so I'll I'll go call my uh, state senator, my rep after this to make sure that they go ahead and support the uh, the adult use bill because uh, it's the right thing to do. But that's why. I mean, that's it's it's just it's the same bill. It's just it was introduced into both chambers of Congress or the Illinois legislature is the correct term on that. Well, help expedite the rule process. Right. Because even if they were going to have like one bill. It would have to go through that house and then the Senate or whatever. And then like, but since you got two bills, they can join forces at the end, right? Uh, yes. And so now the, the, it's the reconciliation process. Uh, every state except for Nebraska, which has one nut uh, and just a unicameral and then everybody's a senator. Uh, they have to introduce a bill in both set, both houses. Uh, so both the, the House of Representatives, but also the Senate. And then there are changes that are made, and then those are approved. And then those are the, after those are approved, there's usually some reconciliation so that they both pass the same bill. That doesn't get to the rulemaking. The rulemaking happens after the legislative process, so you actually have agreed as to what the law will provide. Then once that law is, is, is written and, and both houses agree on it, and it's signed by the executive, and then it's handed over into the executive branch for those rulemakings, and that's when this... Uh, currently, the adult use bill in Illinois is about 522 pages. That's when that, uh, those 522 pages might be turned into a thousand pages of regulations for crying out loud. Yeah, yeah. And then um, what else? Uh, oh, Sean Becker says, I'm currently prescribed Marinol, a.k.a. Dropinol, in a super low dose. Man, I hope you get real weed, dude. <laughs> yeah, like, like, let's ask him why. Why are you? Because like Marinol is synthetic THC, synthetic delta THC. I'm not even sure how they make that. I know that it's not cannabis derived. The cannabis derived uh, Marinol wasn't Marinol. I think that was Sativex by GW Pharmaceuticals. They made a, a an extracted form of of THC. But uh, no, why is he uh, why is he taking Marinol? Well, I, I think that was a cancer treatment for a while there, or at least one of the the 
you know, instead of smoking a joint, you were giving Marinol to help get your appetite up? Oh, really? That's terrible, man. That is just terrible. I can't believe they were doing that, but eh, they were doing so many things. With yeah, the, Appetite with Pharmaceutical. He uh, typed in Appetite Pharmaceutical. Wow. Yeah, well, I mean, it does help with appetite. So does CBD from what I've uh, heard. Uh, or maybe the CBD just helps with like alleviating nausea. So maybe those cancer patients are hungry. It's just that they're too nauseous to be able to eat. Well, there's something we said about the entourage effect. You know, I just think, honestly... When people come to me and they ask me, hey, I got whatever ailments, you know, uh, what do you recommend? Honestly, there is no effing way I can recommend anything. What I what I say is you get a journal, you start taking, you know, at least in a recreational environment, you can do this. If you're in a, a legal state, you're still SOL, you're taking what you can get. But if you're in a legal state, you can buy a product, sample it, take notes, and try another one if that didn't work out for you. Each one's going to be different. Right. I mean, it is. It is. And that's that's really just the, the craziest aspect of it is that people will, you know, I have some friends that would smoke and they would just fall asleep. I have some friends that would smoke and they would just do nothing. And then I'd have some that'd be like, oh, man, I can't move. I mean, and it, they'd be like, oh, well, what strain were they smoking? I don't know. They're all smoking the same stuff. They just all reacted three different ways. Did you see that uh that 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 uh, documentary that I posted on a while ago last time with uh, Raphael Mecklem? Which one was that? The scientist. No, I didn't. What's the scientist? I'll post it again. The clips for anybody else because someone else watched it too. But uh, so it, it evolves around uh, uh, Raphael Mecklem, the the grandfather of science for cannabis. Oh, okay. Uh, the, the the Jewish man, the Jewish scientist. Uh, I'm sorry, the Israeli scientist. Yeah. That uh, discovered uh, T or isolated. It's it's kind of like the new world. They didn't discover it. They just. Well, he's actually it. Hungarian. I mean, his whole story was pretty interesting. But uh, but yeah, he's based in Israel, and uh, he talks about his first experiments with like uh, with humans. He, he had a party, and he, uh, they all took a part of a brownie, and each one had a different reaction to that brownie. Um, good party. You know, yeah. That's the thing. Man. Like, I like to have scientist friends, especially chemist scientist friends, because they like to invite me to parties and have me try chemicals that might make me do stuff. Only if I knew Albert Hoffman back then. Oh, my gosh. Could you imagine that party back in like the 30s where he's like, oh, guys, you have to try this new thing I isolated in the lab. It's called lysine ditergic. What the heck does LSD even stand for? I can't even say it, man. Yeah. It's <laughs> rough. To know. Yeah. All right, man. Well, we've uh, we've done it again. Uh, this is I think this marks our fourth month uh, or next next episode will mark our fourth month of doing the weekly cannabis legalization news every Wednesday at two. And of course, then we do have to schedule around it. For example, next week, I have to be in Springfield to talk uh, at great lengths about this, which can't read. But it basically says uh Collection Law Seminar, uh, back before I became a cannabis lawyer, and still I will use it to, I mean, I represented a lot of banks. And so, like, I know my way around a secured transaction really, really well. One of the aspects of that is you then also, when you represent a lot of banks and, and the businesses go bad, then sometimes the, uh, the debtors try to take the stuff and you have to figure out how to go and take a judgment and turn that judgment into something that you can actually collect on. And I have to do a presentation uh, to some attorneys on that next Wednesday, which means that we are going to have to reschedule a little bit. 
Uh, so yeah, maybe Tuesday, next Thursday. Right on. All right, cool, man. Well, thanks for joining us on campus legalization news. And until next time. Stay tuned. I got <laughs> We'll see you next week. Thanks for the, uh, the levity. Yeah. <laughs>